You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast hey everybody what's going on welcome to another edition of the auburn undercover podcast this is keith neighbor and i'm joined by jason caldwell and nathan king a pair of tiger insiders for auburn undercover inside the auburn tigers and 24 7 sports they do a great job covering that program. You want to check them out on Twitter, obviously, but also at AuburnUndercover.com. And today we're going to talk about where the Tigers sit, 4-2 and two coming out of the open week. We'll go into this week's game against Mississippi State a little bit, and then we'll wrap things up by discussing how things stand in the Southeastern Conference right now. Everybody loves this 10-game schedule, I think, except for the coaches of the SEC because these records are not pretty right now, not at all for a lot of these schools. But, guys, we, uh, we get the ball rolling talking about the Auburn Tigers, the team that we all cover. Four and two, looking a lot better now than they were a few weeks back. Um, gosh, a seven, eight-win season still possible. I mean, technically nine. Still technically alive uh, for a shot to play in the SEC championship game, although it seems like an uphill climb. But, Jason, we'll start with you. How much better and where is Auburn better than it was in week one and week two? I think across the board. Um, but to me, when you look at it, I think the thing that jumps out to you is, is just stability on the offensive line. And that's even with Brandon Council you know, being injured, bring, you know, moving in Keandre Jones. I think – Stability on the offensive line has helped them kind of create an identity that they weren't sure of, I think, to begin the year. I think, you know, we saw the beginning year, the first two or three games, it was throw short, uh, quick passes, put the ball in Bo Nix's hands. And then once the offensive line and Tank Bigsby came along, 
I think the running game has changed this offense. And, and you know, because of the time they spent working on the passing game, you know, in the preseason preparing for that, I think it's really helped them because now that they've got the running game going, they're more advanced passing game than they've been at Auburn in, in you know, probably the last 15 years. So I think that's the progression for me is just the offense that has continued to come together, you know, because of that running game. All right, Nathan, I'll sort of ask you the same question, but let's focus on defense. The defense has certainly had its ups and downs, but is coming off of its best game. So when you look at the defense, Nathan, better group now than in week one? And if so, where? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think you've got to start up front at the defensive line. I think we all looked at this team early in the season and thought you, you're not going to win many SEC games getting controlled at the line of scrimmage. And that goes on both sides of the ball back to what Jason was saying. It's incredibly important for them to have some consistency and some strength up front on the offensive line. But uh, yeah, the defensive line had its best game. I mean, holding LSU to 32 rushing yards, I believe it was um, registering four, four sacks in that game, obviously sacks is not the the number one thing you look at Auburn last season with, with guys like Derek Brown and Marla Davidson. I think they were only ninth in the league in sacks, but I mean, it, it does start to show how these guys are coming along and look, you just talk about the state of the sec right now and how good your defense has to be. Um, kind of the, the bar has been lowered per se. I think teams, you know, you, you kind of hold your opponent below their average a little bit and you don't let up huge plays and you grab a few turnovers here and there. And that's a winning formula for defense right now in the SEC. And Auburn's doing plenty of that right now. I mean, tons of takeaways this season. Um, I think they're limiting opposing teams' best players. I think that's kind of a, maybe an underrated aspect of this defense right now is they're really taking away some of the, you talk about a Terrace Marshall, talk about an Elijah Moore recently. If they can continue to do that down the stretch, because they got a lot of good players left on this schedule, um, particularly against Alabama and Texas A&M. But um, if they can continue to do that, yeah, this, this defense is giving Auburn plenty of chances um, to win right now. And like Jason alluded to, the offense is responding pretty darn well. And Jason, with regards to that defense, it all starts up front, obviously. A lot, the secondary has gotten a lot of praise lately. But um, that, off, that defensive line, excuse me, not so great early in the season. A lot of guys having to play a lot of snaps, too. Not ideal. Not what Rodney Garner, the defensive line coach, wants. Not what Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator, wants. Now you're seeing more guys playing, more guys healthy, more guys making big plays. Uh, it's kind of becoming the defensive line. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it appears, I guess is what I should say. It's becoming the defensive line. Not there yet, but becoming the defensive line that we're all, as media people and the fans too, are used to seeing from Auburn, is it not? Yeah, I think you look at it and, and you know, getting some guys healthy. Uh, you know, the kind of the, the mainstays this year, there's really just been four of them. There's really just been – Colby Wooden, Daquan Newkirk, Tyrone Truesdale, and Derek Hall have really been the four mainstays. Big Cat Bryant, you know, been injured for much of the year. Uh, Zykeevis Walker missed a, a game in there. Dre Butler, Marquise Burks, um, neither one of them had dressed for every game. The LSU game was the first time we've seen all those guys together on the field um, and the depth showing what it could be for the first time this season. And, and it was a different look. And, you know, part of that early in the season was the inability to get off the field on third down. Um, now they're able to get off the field a little bit better on third downs. And as Kevin Steele said, it's because of first down. Um, you know, you don't give up five or six yards. If you're limiting guys to one or two yards on first down, then it changes the complexion of a game. Um, that's what they're able to do. Um, and, and doing that, you're able to rotate some guys. And hey, getting those two junior college tackles in the mix there, getting a Zykevis Walker back healthy. We saw Romello Height for the first time in his career last week. And while he's not a guy that I expect to see a ton of, 
at least you now have an option of a guy like that, you know, coming off the edge. And we've seen Caleb Johnson get more reps. So, um, yeah, there's a lot more depth, um, and that's going to be vital down the stretch for this team because that's how Rodney Garner wants to play. And we're seeing some pass rush, well, at least the last game. Weren't seeing it all early in the season. And for all the people out there that don't think Auburn wins any big recruiting battles against the elite teams, well, Kobe Wooden was a win over Clemson, bona fide win over Clemson. They absolutely wanted him. Now, he didn't have a high ranking. I think most people had him as a high three-star, really an undervalued guy for for whatever reason. Uh, you know, at the time, though, he was recruited as a buck, and now he's turned into a tackle. He's put on so much weight. And then Zykevious Walker, who, boy, you know, every time he's in there, it seems like he's in the center of the action. Uh, as a true freshman, I should point out Colby Wooden, a redshirt freshman. Uh, Zykevious Walker, true freshman from Ellaville, Georgia, Sly County, uh, big win over Georgia. And, in fact, Jason, you'll remember his commitment. It was all Georgia, everybody thought. Some people at Auburn behind the scenes kept telling us, eh, not so fast. He's a small-town guy. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe they feel good. Um, and, and on Thanksgiving Day, or might have been the day after Thanksgiving last year, he picked Auburn over Georgia. But listen, guys, that win over LSU was impressive. What was it, 49-11 to 11 or 48-11? to 11? I mean, it was an absolute, just an absolute demolition uh, of the defending national champs. But, you know, now we've had over a week to kind of take a step back. And, and really evaluate what that win was. LSU's a two and three team. So now how do we really view that game? I mean, is it a good win? Is it a really good win? Is it just a win? I mean, where, Nathan, where would, you, where would you rate that thing? And uh, can we draw too many conclusions from it? Or, or uh, would that be a mistake to, to draw too many? Yeah, I think mostly it's, it's – I don't know if it necessarily matters who they would have played in that game, you know, maybe, I mean, they're about to play two of the three worst teams in the SEC. I think if they had even played one of those teams at home and beat them that badly, that would have been some good momentum for them going into the bye week. That's the number one thing for me. It was, was the momentum that you draw from it. Um, were there a lot of positives from the game? Yeah. Did LSU look really bad at times? And does LSU appear to be, you know, nowhere near the team they were last season? Yes. But at the same time, I mean, some of the things that Auburn was expected to exploit in this game. They weren't able to exploit earlier in the season against some other teams. So this was a situation where, I mean, a lot of the things that Auburn people thought Auburn could take advantage of, they did. And I don't think anybody saw the blowout win like this coming. And I mean, look, Gus Malzahn is so good coming off of bye weeks. I think 11 and one is what we're looking at right now in his career. Um, obviously, I don't think Mississippi State is going to pose much of a threat necessarily. Um, but you're just talking about the last four games of the season and how important it is for them to finish out strong and and stay in the hunt in the SEC West, be one of the better teams in the SEC. Like Keith, you talked about, I think you tweeted that only five SEC teams right now have a winning record. Um, so for all the doom and gloom there was for Auburn at the beginning of the season, um, not only have they turned it around, have a four and two record, which is pretty strong at this point relative to the rest of the conference. But in terms of the LSU win, I mean, that's, that it's just so much momentum for the last few games. You feel like you, you feel like you can beat anybody, you know, over your last few games because of how well you played in that game. You're seeing, that win and saying, why not the rest of the games? All right, Jason, you've had a, a week, too, to let that kind of sink into your brain and, uh, and really kind of digest what Auburn did that, that win, in that win over LSU. What were your big takeaways? Now, that I, I know what they were the day after the game because we talked, but now looking back, what are the best things to come of that game for Auburn? I think the first thing was that they did exactly what they needed to do, which was come out on defense, create a couple of early turnovers, and basically take away the running game, you know, and they, you know, LSU wasn't really able to run the ball after about the first quarter and a half. So, you know, 
um, the 32 yards, that's kind of what happens when you get in a game like that. But they did a good job when they when they took them out of the game because of that early on. So uh, I think you exactly took care of business. Um, that was thing number one. And, you know, that's something that this team hasn't done as much as they should have maybe in the past few years when they had those opportunities to take care of business. I thought the thing for me that maybe showed the most promise was the third quarter. Um, we've seen a lot of Auburn teams in the past just go out and kind of try to hang on. Well, this team didn't go out and try to hang on. This team went out and, and, and showed some killer instinct. That was the difference to me in, in that game as I go back and look at it and, and, and think about it again. Yeah. And, and that's something that, you know, as a team develops, they can, can build on that and go, man, we're going out to, to seek and destroy a little bit instead of just going out to try to, to sneak by and win a game. Well, Jason, it wasn't just the, the players. There was some killer instinct from the coaches. I mean, calling a bomb up 42 to uh, whatever it was, 41 to 42 to three, whatever the score was, that's, that's cold, man. That's a, that's a little bit of a, I, I can't believe that there was nothing to that. Well, here, here's the thing. I, I, I know some people have said, oh, no, 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 I, no, no, no. no. Uh, there was me, something to that. To me, I think that's that's a sign of – well, and, and obviously you go back and go, man, we've blown some leads. We're not going to do that again. But, I, you know, for years, you know, since Gus Malzahn arrived, um, since he was an offensive coordinator, Auburn fans have been saying, look, don't stop running the offense just because you're up big or just because you have a lead. Um because nothing gets accomplished then. And so I think it was a matter – even when Grant Loy came in the game, I mean, they threw the ball a couple of times. That absolutely would not have happened last year, the year before, the year before. That's not what Gus Malzahn does. And I think it's a little bit of an ode to Chad Morris going, look, we need to work on things in this season where we didn't have a spring, where we're still trying to figure out – you have to continue to work on your offense. And, hey, I mean, think about that back to last year. LSU was beating the brains out of everybody. Did they stop throwing the ball? No, they threw it every day on no matter what the score was, even in a championship game. That's how you get better at it. And I think Auburn, you know, kind of took a page from that the other day going, yeah. oh, keep throwing it. Yeah, I agree with that. I think a lot of times coaches, even when they're – look, I mean, Gus with his hurry-up, no-huddle offense, I mean, that was a revolutionary thing. Even coaches that have had some kind of new technique, new way of doing things, at the end of the day, a lot of them still revert back to what a lot of coaches are which is let's just shorten the game, get out of there healthy, get out of there with the win. But when you do that, you may give up 10 to 15 offensive plays, which are 10 to 15 offensive plays for young guys, which might be a pass to the tight end that, can you, that they, you can then use on the recruiting trail that you've basically just given up by shutting the game down. All right, guys, next question, though, and I'll start with you, Nathan. You, uh, you kind of uh, made a little fun of Mississippi State there a minute ago. Uh, can, can Mississippi State win this game? Can Mississippi State – beat Auburn on Saturday? And if so, how? First for you, Nathan, then for you, Jason. Same question. Yeah, the only – I mean, they can, of course. Um, and the only the only reason I say that they can is just because of how strange the SEC is this season from week – not even the SEC, just everybody from week to week. Um, you know, you kind of are looking at teams and, and you can kind of analyze how everybody is and, and you have your good teams. And I, I kind of thought before the year, okay – Maybe we're not even going to know who the best teams are week to week. But I think we still know. We still know who the best teams are, and we know who the best teams are in the SEC. And we know that Auburn is a lot better than Mississippi State. In this game, they're just going to have to make the offense super uncomfortable. That's what I think, because you're not seeing anything, in my opinion. A Mississippi State offense like this against a Kevin Steele defense that's got two weeks to prepare 
for this air raid. And, and I don't know if teams necessarily do great against a Kevin Steele defense when they don't have a lot of balance, when they can't get a run game set up. Um, and Steele talked to us last week about how, look, you know, we may give up almost 300 rushing yards to Ole Miss. We may give up a lot of passing yards to Mississippi State, but all this stuff, you don't need to look at stats. It's all by design. Um, and so I, I think they'll have a great plan for this one. I, I think it really just goes back to making the offense uncomfortable because I think they, they think they played better than South Carolina in that game. The defense played a phenomenal game there. I think they definitely thought they should have won that game. You look at what South Carolina is doing now. They definitely think they're a way better team. So it's about Bo Nix not throwing three interceptions. Um, everybody just staying on the same page on offense. I mean, I think they could even get away with a turnover or two because this Mississippi State team is not real good at all. They maybe should have lost <laughs> to Vanderbilt. So I think they'll be fine. All right, Jason, what do you got? I think it would take a disaster based on what I've seen out of Mississippi State the last few weeks, and that can happen. Um, Wait a second, a disaster like we saw at South Carolina or worse? I think it would take worse than that. I wow. Mean, I, think it would, I think it would take a – I think you'd have to – I mean, heck, I mean, we saw it, you know, Saturday by Vandy. Vandy turned it over five times. Mississippi State turned it over zero, and it was a seven-point game. Um, I think it would take something like that for it to be a game like that. Um, Vandy's defense played well. If you're Auburn, it, it's a matter of taking care of business. I think you've got the, you've got a taste of it now. Um, I think if you go out and Auburn plays with intensity, which they normally do after a bye week, uh, I think as long as they do that and don't just have you know one of those games that that you know you don't you try to rewrite the record books with a bunch of turnovers then I, I think Auburn goes out. I th really think this is an opportunity to go out and really continue to do what you did against LSU um, because I think this offense is, is moving in the right direction. And Mississippi State defense has, has done some good things, but sooner or later you got to go – you got to turn around and go start going, man, what are we doing here? Um, beating our head against the wall. And um, it becomes hard to go back out there week after week. And they'll play hard, but um, I, I just think it's, it would take a whole lot for Auburn to go over there and not win this game pretty comfortably. All right, you look at Mississippi State's first game of the season, K.J. Costello, the transfer quarterback from the Pac-12. Huge day. They have 632 yards, 623 through the air, and they beat LSU 44-34. to Now, at the time, we didn't know LSU's defense was as awful as it, as it turned out to be. But since that game, Mississippi State only scored 14 against Arkansas, uh, two points as a team in a loss to Kentucky. Played Texas A&M fairly well. That's a little concerning. Uh, of course, everybody's due for an off game, and maybe that was Texas A&M's. Lost that one 28-14. Lost to Bama 41 to nothing, and then just beat Vanderbilt. But what is Auburn's biggest concern going into this game, Jason? I think it's probably that, that you know, you find an offense that finds a little bit of life here or there and starts to – to, to maybe, you know, you know, find its footing a little bit under a quarterback that, that you know, a freshman quarterback that hadn't played. But you look at you know, Mississippi State, it's been a steady decline. Week one, 623 yards and five touchdowns. Um, 313 in week two, 275 in week three, 219 in week four, 163. They threw five touchdown passes in the first game. They got eight right now. Had 623 yards passing in the first game. They have 1,800 right now. Um, you know, 14 interceptions. I mean, that gets – that's the thing. You go, man, they have the ability. And we know Mike Leach. He's a guy that, that's going to go out there and, and just keep throwing it. They're going to keep throwing it and keep throwing it. Um, for these young DBs, this the, – the question I have is, do, are you able to, to throw a Marco Domeo out there? Are you able to throw um, a Devin Barrett, um, you know, Matthew Hill? We haven't seen much of those guys. But you play Mississippi State, and if you start letting them, you know, throw it and, and complete some passes here or there, then you're going to 
face 60 pass attempts in a game, you know, are those young corners ready for that? That's the thing because when you start playing those guys, then it's a threat to maybe give up a play or two, and that would give Mississippi State some life. To me, that's the one thing I think you worry about. Yeah, I mean, Mississippi State doesn't have a terrible defense. So if you're Auburn, you got to decide, okay, are you going to pass the ball and maybe have quicker scoring drives or quicker drives, period, which then puts you back out there with Mississippi State's defense, offense, like you said, and they're going to be throwing the heck out of the ball. Or do you try to run it, run it, run it? But, again, they've got a decent defense. So it's an interesting contrast. They're an interesting, uh, interesting game, let's put it that way. Uh, same thing with you, Nathan. Real quick, Auburn's biggest concern, what do you think it is? Yeah, uh, I mean, you've just got to not get – you've got to have the right response after that LSU game. And, I mean, there's there's two ways you can go after a win like that, and I think the bye week does help. Um, again, like we talked about before, Gus Malzahn keeps his teams really focused after bye weeks. And I think, like Jason was alluding to before, this is a team that is trending upwards instead of backwards after kind of a, a shaky loss at the beginning of the season. Look, this is the first time in the Gus Malzahn era that they've ever dropped out of the AP Top 25 and then come back in. Obviously, that's, that's a little bit arbitrary, but um, it just shows that this team, you know, it was able to bounce back from that game. And like we talked about before, I think they were a lot better than South Carolina. Yeah, so you just got to look at their response. You, you, I mean, you, you're talking about a Mississippi State team that is one of the worst in the conference this season. They've got to look at them and say, okay, we, we've seen what's gone on in the SEC this year. We know anything can happen. Talking to Eli Stove tonight, he said, look, man, we're preparing for everybody like they're Alabama, like they're LSU, like they're Georgia, you know, no matter who we're playing. Um, because they've seen they've seen some of the crazy results from across the country this season. But yeah, I go back to what Jason said, where I mean, it's got to be a disaster. And so that leads me to believe that you might run the ball a lot, just because you're kind of looking at this and saying, you know, they've got a pretty good defense. But I mean, you should probably try to get Tank Bigsby to 100 yards every game. I know he didn't get there against LSU, but you should attempt to do that. That's probably when your offense is at its yeah. best. You know, um, just play safe, you know, let, and let your defense do its thing because this offense um, is not lighting anybody up like Jason said. So just let your defense go out there. And, heck, they're creating a lot of turnovers. You know, let them go out there and, and, and make some scoring plays of their own as well. You know, you're getting to the point of the season, and Jason, Jason and I are older, Nathan, but this is getting to the point of the season where teams that had some expectations that aren't meeting them, if you can get on them early, the players just – you know, they're, look, there's a fine line between playing at 100%. You dip down to 98% and you're giving up 48 points. It's just a fine right. line. In any high level of athletics, tennis, that's why guys don't come back too early from injuries, golf, same thing. Uh, let's take a look at the SEC right now. Let's go back to week one. Georgia struggles in the opening half, but they turn it on and, and whip Arkansas. And you think, okay, well, look, same old Georgia. Same week. Mississippi State blows out LSU. You're thinking, okay, it's a revolution at Mississippi State. And, and so many different changes have already happened. Auburn gets blown out in week two, but seems to have found itself. Georgia blows out Auburn in that, that game and now has two losses, two, quite frankly, humiliating losses for them. Uh, I think they played better in the loss to Alabama, certainly were more competitive than the loss to Florida. But it shifts each week. But right now, Auburn, like you said, Nathan – there's five teams in the SEC with winning records. Arkansas is three and three, but five with winning records out of the 14. Auburn is one of them. Uh, Nathan, I'm going to start with you. Who is the biggest surprise in the SEC right now? Well, you'd probably give coach of the year to Sam Pittman yeah. at this point. I, I just got – based on – and no offense to Chad Morris, but, I mean, that was, that was a disastrous two years for him in Fayetteville. I mean, I think either it, it was the worst SEC head coaching performance – 
ever over the course of two years, or it was one of the worst. Um, and just the way that team looked, the way they were getting blown out by the likes of a North Texas or a Western Kentucky, to now this season having three SEC wins in their first six tries, um, that's a big turnaround. I know that Sam Pittman in the offseason, he wasn't the flashy addition. You know, he, he wasn't one of the guys on your short list of, you know, the, the Forbes 30 under well, 30. Well, hold on. He, he was on my list. As he, was on, he was Yeah, he was on the, <laughs> yeah, hold on. I on the make list sure of the offensive line people. Okay. He was not one of your uh, – he's not the guy that's going to make the ESPN yeah. front lines and everything. And right. people are going to say, you know, he's the, he's, he's the next – he's the next big thing in the SEC. Yeah. Um, but I think those players have definitely bought into what he yeah. presents there, and he's really good for what the culture is there. That's the biggest surprise to me. And I think you can look at the top of the SEC and say it's an interesting season in that regard with what Florida just did and the, kind of the changing of the guard in the East. But, I mean, you look at what Arkansas – was and then what they are now in terms of a team that almost beat Auburn that is competitive in all their games and already has three wins um that's easily the biggest turnaround in my opinion if I could if I may just real quickly we're going to get to Jason's thoughts on the biggest surprise too if I could just defend Chad Morris for a little bit here when he was hired when he was pursued he did not pursue that job that job pursued him first of all and and if I in, in defense of him a little bit here when they pursued him the people at Arkansas said we realize it's going to be a multi-year rebuild, okay? They didn't have talent for one, and they had a system that was sort of outdated on offense, okay? So he had to then try to fit the square into the round hole the first couple of years till he got his guys there. And that didn't work, obviously. And there were some other issues there. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, he's the head coach. He bears the responsibility. Uh, but what you're seeing now is Sam Pittman with some transfers, obviously, Felipe Franks is – has been a good transfer, believe it or not. Uh, but, but also, what you can recognize is that Chad did bring in some pretty talented players. Now, Jason, biggest surprise in the SEC for you so far. Is it Arkansas or do you have somebody else? We're, we're going to do disappointments in a minute. So, most pleasant surprise, I should have said. Okay, good, because I was going to go disappointing. But, yeah, no, Arkansas is obvious when you, when you look at them. And you're right. That, that, you know, I, I said it when Auburn played Arkansas the week of preparing for that game, that people don't sleep on this team because – you know, even last year, you know, we talked to the coaches and they're like, hey, look, these guys had some really good young players. And now you look at those guys um, two or three years in a program, the, the all, most all the t- most talented players on that Arkansas team are guys that are young guys. And so, um, but, you know, they put it all together and it just shows you what Chad never had and what Arkansas has now. Felipe Franks is not – I mean, he's not Nick Marshall, but you look at the difference in adding a quarterback – to a team and how much of a difference it can make. Just go back from Auburn to 2012, 2013. Um, it can make a huge difference. And so I think Felipe Franks, the veteran, has has helped him out a lot. So I'll, I'll go with them. And then, you know, when you start looking at other positives around the league, um, they're all there. They're all what we expected to do. There's not really – it said that when there's only a few winning teams in yeah, the whole league, there are not a whole lot of other positives. I think we thought when you Alabama, here's what, I, what I'll tie it together with the teams that are there that we thought were going to be good, that are good, Alabama, Florida, Texas A&M, you know, returning quarterback, returning offensive coordinator, returning offensive line. Those things are more important this year than any of us even realized. And, and those, th- those three things are all what those three thing, teams have in common. I, I agree with you guys, Arkansas, no question about it. Uh, maybe Texas A&M in a sense that, that only, you know, obviously they lost one of the big games they played to Alabama, but won another. But I say that because 
even though they were rated highly by a lot of people, everybody was waiting for them to fall on their behinds. Everybody, because you're thinking they're getting too much hype. A lot of people wrote that. So I would say to me, Texas A&M would be second. But the disappointing team, guys, I think you could make an argument for a couple of them, <laughs> maybe more. Uh, Jason, we'll start with you. Who's your pick? Then we'll do you, Nathan, and then I'll throw in my bologna uh, at the end here. Yeah, it's got to be Georgia for me. Um, wow. And, you know, I mean, I, you know, they only have two losses. But, you know, when you look at that team and you look at Georgia and how they've recruited, um, to have an offense like Georgia has right now, um, we knew there was going to be some issues. And we talked about coming into the year, Auburn and Georgia, the parallels. You know, Auburn had a quarterback coming back, but you had a new coordinator – without a spring, replacing some offensive linemen. But you look at Georgia, and, and, and you know, Georgia has recruited as well as anybody in the country. I mean, not just saying, oh, well, they're up there. No, they're there with the best in the country in recruiting. Um, with that comes expectations. Um, and you bring in a new coordinator, and the expectations are that you're going to improve, and they haven't. They've gotten worse. They've gotten worse on offense. And, um, and, and so for me – I look at a team that, you know, Auburn wasn't prepared in week two to beat Georgia. If they played them right now, I think they would be. The only two teams that have been, to me, right there with Georgia have handled them. And that's to me, is a disappointment. Nathan? Yeah, I was kind of leaning Tennessee. I was going to say that, but I guess I hadn't really thought about, uh, I mean, talking about Georgia, what is this year, year five of Kirby? something like that. You're, it's either year four or year five. And I just, I wonder at what point, um, you know, you kind of get to these 50-50 games. We know they have an Alabama problem. Um, but I mean, at what point is it, okay, you have to start winning these games and you got to start taking your team over the hump. And you talk about the recruiting. I mean, just at what point is that going to change? Um, and what point does it, does it get to the, does it get to kind of the juncture where you're saying, okay, you know, we need to change things uh, in terms of like an offense and in terms of a quarterback and, you know, they just don't have those pieces this season, and we knew that they were – I think, they, I think they've tried that. <laughs> I mean, we look at – They've of, tried both. Well, I mean, we look at what we've had in the past with them, and, and we talked about this, Jason, when we were waiting for some players today and uh, talking about Justin Fields and what he's doing over at Ohio State, and they just cannot get this thing figured out under center. Georgia cannot. And, and, and uh, I mean, it's going to – I think JT Daniels has a lot of talent, um, and I think Stetson Bennett looked really good in a lot of games, but then he has a bad performance against – Florida and you've got to get him pulled. So I will kind of give a little bit of an honorable mention here, or I guess a dishonorable mention to Tennessee, um, just because of how highly people thought of them before the season. Um, and they had so many five stars up front on the offensive line. Look, that's a talented team. Um, and they've just kind of fallen flat on their face over the past few weeks. Um, but I'll probably give the nod to Georgia. All right, well, I was thinking, you know, Georgia was certainly under consideration for me. And obviously you guys are more experts on this subject than me. The, the mismanagement of the quarterbacks, I don't even fault Kirby smart too much for the, the Justin Fields thing. I mean, you just go with a guy and they went with a guy that was pretty doggone good. I mean, what do you do? However, some of the other decisions uh, to bring in Jamie Newman this year and then bring in a guy right after him, which from the minute that happened, the minute it was announced that JT Daniels was transferring and you knew there was going to be some friction, that something was going to come of that. Uh, and then now you're basically, you're having to play a guy that has done an admirable job at times. I mean, they're not losing because of him. They're losing partly because of him and partly because of a lot of other things. But they've got too much talent to be where they're at. But Tennessee at two and four, and you look at that program right now and you say, remember what was Ronald Reagan's line? Not to be political, uh, 
But what was his famous line? Are you better off now than you were four years ago? So if you're a Tennessee fan right now and you get rid of Butch Jones uh, and you say, um, we better off right now than we were four years ago. And, you know, there's a lot of people in the media that have been beating the drum for Jeremy Pruitt. A lot of people we work with, guys. Uh, and that's fine. Everybody has opinions. But they are two and four. And I believe they play Texas A&M this week. And then they go to Auburn, then at Vanderbilt and Florida at home. You're looking at a team that possibly could finish three and seven. Three and seven. The Tennessee Volunteers with an offensive line with all four stars and above. With a few quarterbacks that have high rankings. And they have been recruiting, at least according to people who rank guys, significantly better. And, uh, you know, they're in year three with this staff, and they've had major quarterback issues. And you say, well, if he just gets a quarterback. But it's year three. And you're playing with who you brought in. These are your guys. You're losing with your guys now. And they were getting competitive a lot with the other guys' guys. Now it's mostly his guys. And they are – not appearing to be better than they were three, four years ago. So I, I, I'm going to give a, a little honorable mention to here. We just yeah. saw this team. Um, and I didn't, I, I did not think LSU was going to be a top five or top 10 game based on who all they lost sure. after last season. But you look at them and look at the holes they have, look at the issues they have. They've had some guys opt out and they're sitting there two and three. And you don't talk about a schedule at Alabama, you know, this week at Arkansas in two weeks at Texas A&M, Ole Miss on the fifth, and then at Florida. Um, and how many games do you say do you pencil in? I don't, I don't pencil in any of those games for LSU right. at the moment. That's right. And, Jason, not to, not to interrupt you, but I think that's a team where it's certainly applicable. It applies to them that if you're not meeting high goals, Absolutely. you will mail it in. And, look, I grew up down in Florida. When Florida State and Miami were at their best, unstoppable. When they teetered a little bit, when they lost early season games, that was it. It was over with fast, and you have to worry about that if you're LSU. And this is a particularly scary year because guys know they're not losing a year of eligibility. That's right. Because of everything going on, you got the, the, the real opportunity here for a guy to go, I'm kind of done. We're done. We're, yeah. you, know, you just won a national championship for LSU. You're going, what am I playing for now? Uh, I'm just going to hold off and wait till next year. That could happen very easily. All right. Three more questions. We got about five minutes left, and we're going to run out of time here. Uh, hot seat. Who's on the hot seat right now? Jason, we'll start with you. Just, just SEC coaches. Is anybody – is COVID going to save the guys that are really struggling? Because, listen, man, when you look at some of these teams – I mean, Pruitt's only in year three. You know, you feel like – I mean, something would have to happen for them to get rid of him. But, you know, Will Muschamp's at two and four. He's been there quite a while. Got a big buyout. Um uh, Derek Mason really struggling. It's a shame because I think he's a good coach, but Vanderbilt's 0-5. Uh, is anybody on the hot seat, or is this, uh, is this just not the year where it's going to happen? And, and when you, we start looking at, at, at universities like Clemson doing away with you know, track and field after building a, a new facility and all, everything is going on, I, I just don't see how a school in the end is going to go, yeah, we're going to pay a $12 million buyout to get rid of somebody. I, I think – you know, as much as I hate to say it, because I really like Will, I think that would be the one. But, man, a $12 million buyout this year, I just don't know how somebody can sell that at the moment. Yeah, Muschamp's great. And, and Jason, you and I spent so many weekends through the years over at that athletic complex, uh, you more than me, waiting for recruits. And, and Will Muschamp used to spend a lot of time with us and was just – awesome. I can't repeat a lot of what he – I mean, just a <laughs> funny guy. I mean, no, and it, you know, kind of like the uh, – uh, you know, I can watch Blazing Saddles, but I can't go on Twitter reciting right. many yes. of the lines. It was one of those 
just a funny, funny guy. And in fact, he used to, used to make fun of one of our coworkers a lot, Rusty Mansell, to, to us. And uh, I always enjoyed that. Rusty covers Georgia for us, as a lot of you know. Now, Nathan, uh, with you, let's, let's, let's ask you this, and then I'll, I'll get to Jason. Who plays in the SEC championship game? We still got a few weeks left. But do you think it's, it's written in stone that it's going to be Florida and Alabama? Or, or what, what's your take on that? Uh, yeah, as much as it can be. I, I, thought, I thought this game in Jacksonville would decide it. Um, and, and certainly it looks like Florida is the cream of the crop there, you, you know, by record and just by performance. Um, and then I think it's going to take a real, a real problem for Alabama that I, I don't foresee where it would come from, what facet of their game um, they would have issues with down the stretch. I know Auburn fans would love to see them get an upset there in the Iron Bowl, but I just don't really see it happening. And, hey, if it does, I mean, that's going to be a fun SEC championship game. Lots of points in at night, too. Jason, what do you think? Yeah, I, I just don't see anybody, you know, having you know, an opportunity here. I mean, you know, you look at it and, I mean, Auburn already has two losses. Um, you know, Alabama would have to lose to somebody else, even if Auburn were to upset them. They're not losing LSU. They're not losing Kentucky, and they're not losing Arkansas. Um, and so, yeah, I think that one's done. And then, you know, Florida would have to lose twice. Um, there's not two more losses on their schedule, I don't believe, and it's not the way they're playing right now. All right, two more quick hitters: playoffs, one or two SEC teams. How many are getting in this year? Because you know that Notre Dame Clemson game that might have changed some things here for the SEC. Yeah. So, Jason, real quick, and then Nathan, real quick. How many from the SEC get in, and who? I think it's just one, um, you know, because I don't think that uh, as, as much as Florida can score points, I don't think they're going to score enough to beat Alabama. Now, if they were to pull an upset, it'd be a possibility. But okay. I, I think I think just one at the moment um, because, like you said, because I think right now that, that Clemson, um, Notre Dame, I don't think Notre Dame would beat them yeah. twice. Of course, so course think, you know, A&M could win out. Texas A&M could win out, and that could change some things. But, uh, Nathan, how many get in? Yeah, that's the interesting thing for me is that if A&M backdoors itself, I mean, Auburn could be really good at that point. And if they get a big road win, Jordan-Hare, maybe Texas A&M, but I'm going to stay with Jason and say, uh, just because of so many things that I have to go to, I'll just go with one. Yeah, and with Texas A&M, let's not forget, when was the last time they played in a game of that kind of consequence? How would they handle it? I mean, Auburn plays in those games every two or three years. Uh, So that's something. Okay, last question here. Any legitimate Heisman candidates from the SEC this year? Mac Jones? Kyle Trask. I mean, who's the who's the guy out of the SEC we should be watching? Jason and then Nathan and then that's it. Time's running out. I think it's those two guys because the numbers they put up. Um, I, I think it's those two guys. And well, who would you have over the Who would you have over the other right now, Jason? Would you- I would probably have I would probably have Mac Jones right now a little bit over Kyle Trask because more of his throws down the field. I think he's throwing a little bit more, but. Both those guys are, are doing exactly what they need to do in their offense and, and doing it. Hey, you know what? Give me, a, give me a little sleeper, Kyle Pitts, right here. Okay. Nathan, got about 15 seconds. Who you got? That's exactly what I was going to say, Jason, is that, you know, you hated to see him get hurt in that game and maybe if he was healthy for the rest of the year. But, I, yeah, I'd go Jones maybe just a little bit of a hair over Trask. Just because he's not a game manager. He's, he's making some crazy throws. Okay. We had to, we had, we're running out of time. That's why I had to force these guys, rush them along here. But that'll do it for this edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. I am Keith Niebuhr. That was Jason Caldwell and Nathan King. Thank you both for showing up. We'll do it again soon. Take care, everybody. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. <laughs> 
We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+.